Hello and welcome to Eisner Amper's podcast series. We're always interested in the latest trends and developments, as well as any related business and accounting opportunities and challenges. Today, we're looking at detecting and responding to fraud at not-for-profits. I'm your host, Dave Plasco, and with us today is David Sumner, a director in Eisner Amper's Financial Advisory Services Group. David has more than 20 years of experience with forensic accounting investigations into allegations of fraud, misconduct, corruption, and theft as well as evaluating and developing compliance programs for organizations. David, welcome and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So when we're talking about the areas of fraud in not-for-profits, which type of not-for-profits are most at risk? Well, most nonprofits or in any company are at risk. Sure. Fraud does not uh, discriminate on size or type of industry. It happens everywhere, unfortunately. Okay. What makes smaller organizations, especially nonprofits, a little bit more vulnerable is they generally have a smaller accounting staff. They sure. have less regulation from supervisory authority like the SEC. When you look at the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, they issue a report, and the latest one showed that the smaller companies, less than 100 employees, experience fraud about twice as large as those larger companies. Mm -hmm. Sure. Now... Do a little bit of a deeper dive into smaller organizations. We know that, yes, they have less resources to work with, but expand on that if you could. First of all, one of the major factors with nonprofits is that they depend a lot on volunteers. Volunteers may or may not be uh, highly skilled in their area, but a nonprofit is looking for help. They're, they're focused on their mission, and sometimes uh, some of the employees in some critical areas may or may not have the appropriate skills. They also have a limited headcount. Those limited headcounts result in a lack of opportunity to perhaps segregate critical key functions that involve cash or revenue or other important areas that are susceptible to fraud. One of the other things that I've experienced and, and seen in a lot of the nonprofits that I've done investigations at is they have limited written procedures. They're just not as sophisticated sure. overall when compared to for-profit companies. Okay. So... If fraud is suspected at a, at a not-for-profit, David, uh, tell us, what are barriers, roadblocks, things that might get in the way of detecting and preventing future fraud? Sure. That's a great question, and I think it's something that when I'm talking to individuals at these nonprofits, when they have these allegations, some of these things come to light, and that is that, one, they don't have much experience in the area of fraud detection which is a good thing, mm -hmm. but then on the, on the flip side, they're a little bit of a novice when dealing with an allegation of fraud. Because they have a lot of dedicated people that may have been there for a long time, a lot of volunteers, sometimes there's a reluctance to ask the tough questions mm -hmm. of their employees, of their volunteers, to make sure that perhaps things are, are going the way they're intended. The last thing, which is quite important with nonprofits, is there is the risk of the word getting out there that perhaps money was stolen or misplaced, and that has an impact on their donors. Bad PR. Bad PR. Yeah. Okay. So having said that, give our listeners some best practices, whether the not-for-profit is small or large. What, what, are, what are some things that, uh, that they can do to mitigate fraud? One of the best things that they can do is take a look at the allegation, the whistleblower letter, however they received it, with a clear an independent mindset. And sometimes that may be asking a, an external advisor, mm -hmm. perhaps uh, someone who's not involved in the area, someone on the board of directors to help you evaluate these allegations. Sure. Someone that's going to give you a, a fresh point of view. Yep. 
make sure you understand what your insurance coverage is. Okay. Sometimes uh, insurance coverage, your insurance coverage may cover the investigation, may help cover those losses. Don't, don't leave that off the table. Consider hiring an independent forensic investigator. Sometimes you can go to your, your auditor. They may be able to help you, but if it may be a significant area, this goes along the lines of, are you engaging someone with an independent voice? And an independent forensic investigator will get you an independent, unbiased view of what happened. Okay. Also consider how quickly you respond. Don't sit on it for a month or two. Try to address it quickly. Sure. Because sure. sometimes the rumor mill can get started. Mm. You may lose the PR battle if some somehow something gets out there. You want to stay ahead of this. Okay. So don't count on it to fix itself. Now you gave us some some good advice there. What are some don'ts? What shouldn't nonprofits do? I've seen a lot when someone has thinks they see who the whistleblower is and they go talk to them or they confront them immediately. Mm-hmm. You're not a trained investigator. You're not trained in asking the right questions. Right. You know, you're, you're not, not a cop. You're not a cop. Yeah. You're not a lawyer. Yeah. Although maybe some people are, yeah. but maybe you're not trained in this area. Mm-hmm. And it's best to leave something as important as this to someone who knows more what, they do, what they're doing, mm-hmm. someone who's trained for doing this the right way. Another thing that you should not do is to just dismiss it or think that that person, it couldn't be possible if right, they did that. Right. It, it's not, not in their nature. Yes, not in their nature. Yeah. I've known them forever. Right, right. That's usually the person who is committing sure. the fraud because you need to be in a position of trust yep. in order to perpetuate a fraud. Mm-hmm. The last thing, don't go through their uh, employee's computer and their files uh, or your email yourself. You may not get what you're looking for, and you may actually harm your ability going forward in using that evidence mm-hmm. if you choose to go to, you know, file a police report right. or try to, with your insurance company, to get some money back. May, it may negatively impact the, the credibility of the evidence, the chain, the chain of evidence. The chain of custody, exactly. Got it, got it. Now, um, I'm going to ask you to do even a, a little bit more of a deeper dive for the smaller nonprofits out there and the family businesses, too, that, that this could apply to. What can they do to mitigate fraud with, you know, without having a big budget, on a shoestring, so to, so to speak? No, that's important. Not everyone can afford an internal audit department with hundreds of people mm-hmm. out there helping to enforce your, your controls and, and your policies. So tone at the top is one of the most important things that can help deter fraud. If the employees, the volunteers, everyone knows that management and the board is serious about making sure that fraud doesn't occur, mm-hmm. that, that goes a long way. Let your employees know that they also have the ability to come forward with their concerns. Make sure that that open door policy Mm -hmm. that's so often talked about is actually a real thing. Let them know that you really do welcome their input. One of the things you can do is to have your auditor or perhaps another accounting firm look over your critical controls. Do a fraud risk assessment. Mm -hmm. They might be able to identify a weakness that you could stop ahead of time. And fraud prevention is a heck of a lot cheaper than fraud investigation. Sure, sure. Sounds like time and time and money well spent. Yep. Yeah. Um, rotating job responsibilities is one of my favorites. Making sure that somebody hasn't been doing the cash reconciliations for the last 25 years, have somebody else do that. In addition to it being a very strong anti-fraud control, it helps to give your employees a little bit more experience throughout the, the organization. Mm-hmm. You have better coverage during vacations or perhaps an unplanned illness, things of that nature. Your organization is better 
to respond to even non-fraud events. Okay. Make sure you also have written procedures. Written procedures at nonprofits, I find, are, are far and few between. And identifying those key controls that you have, have them written down, and make sure the people that are executing those controls, cash reconciliation, mm-hmm. account payable approvals, mm-hmm. things like that, have that written policy there, and then have some degree of monitoring whether they're adhering to policy. And if you're able to, do an unannounced audit on some of those key functions. Take a small sample and just walk it through. It doesn't have to be an anti-fraud audit. It can just be taking a look at them to see how the policy is working and listen to your employees when they give you feedback on that policy. Because you could, there could be changes that, that could be affected that would make the, the entire process more efficient. Sure, sure. I mean, employees definitely have to be integrated into the process. They have to know what the ground rules are and and what's happening. One of the last things that I'd like to mention here is making sure that you have an independent evaluation of some of your longer time or family employees. Sometimes you you might have someone that's been in that role for a long time, Mm -hmm. but they're just not the right fit for the job responsibilities. Give your organization a chance to succeed, a greater chance to succeed by evaluating certain key functions and making sure that people are in the right jobs. Okay. And any final thoughts? Fraud hits everywhere. Sure. We hear about it, whether it's the largest companies or the smallest companies down the street, they all make the news. The way you respond to it uh, can help to make it worse or make it better. Well, David, for someone like myself who worked in not-for-profit for 20 years or so, these are definitely some words of wisdom uh, to live by, and I, I recommend all not-for-profits you know, really look into these techniques and suggestions. Uh, so I, I thank you for your insight and your time. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for listening to Eisner Amper's not-for-profit podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.